Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I hope you guys had a good holiday. I know this episode will go live in between Christmas and New Year's. And I'm so grateful that we survived last year. And I hope next year will be easier for for all of us. For my family, we had tons of highs and lows. My father got COVID about a month and a half ago now. And he has some lung issue. And my family decided not to tell me and he was very sick. They told me about it after he recovered, but it was devastating for me. And I know many, many of us has been impacted by this pandemic. So from the bottom of my heart, I hope next year will be different. After recording this episode, I'm leaving for airport. I'm going to spend a week with my family in Dubai to celebrate my father's health. And I am beyond grateful that we all are here. And I'm, I'm very excited to go on this trip. And let me know how you celebrated this holiday. And again, I hope everyone remains safe. Today is a solo episode in which I'm answering your questions. As I shared with you guys, we just passed 2 million downloads. And as a way of celebrating this milestone, I asked many of you guys and the questions and the questioner that how you would like us to celebrate. And you chose two different ways. One was with doing a Q&A episode and the other way was doing a giveaway. So I decided to do both. I'm answering a few of your questions here. I'm going to answer, I do some live in the mid-January in my Instagram account. And if you are interested to win more than $200 sexual health product, make sure you are following our Instagram account at Sexology Podcast and follow the instruction to enter for the giveaway. Without further ado, here's our first question. Hi, I've been in couples therapy with my wife for a little over a year now and did my, my own individual therapy to treat performance anxiety before that and quickly realized my relationship with my wife was a significant trigger. We have intimacy issues whereby talking about sex intimacy is difficult for my wife, but she also doesn't like to passionately kiss or be touched or touch me either. It overwhelms her. When we have sex, it feels good for her, but getting to have sex is what is difficult for her. I'm likely overthinking this, but because I'm an anxious person and suddenly want my wife to be pleasured and happy. Whenever foreplay is happening, I'm usually fingering my wife and licking her anus and fingering it too. My wife would be touching her clitoris because she finds my touch or licking too sensitive for her directly on her clitoris. I always question whether it's too sensitive or she doesn't enjoy what I'm doing. So when she does an orgasm from non-intercourse play, it's her hand on her clitoris, not mine. When we have intercourse, regardless of position, I might touch her breasts or anus, but she'd be touching her clitoris. She always orgasms during intercourse as well. My question is, am I really making my wife orgasm in either of these situations, considering she's the one touching her clitoris at time of orgasm? Or should I just tell my overthinking head to shut up and know that my wife is pleasured and I'm involved and there's nothing wrong with it? I'm just an anxious, overthinking, loving, sexy husband, wanting to feel desired and ensuring my wife is pleasured. Am I overthinking too much? Thank you. Well, you're already doing so many things right. You're spending time engaging in foreplay, 
you're exploring different erogenous zone. You both are arriving at the place of climax. You both orgasming. I know that sex is definitely more than experiencing an orgasm. But if we allow ourselves to show our vulnerable self to our partner, it shows that there is this level of comfort and pleasure, which is very positive. And the fact that she's touching her clit, it tells me that she feels comfortable around you. Many, many women in my practice, they share with me that they don't know their body and at times they fake orgasm. The fact that she knows that that what she, this is what she likes and she knows the kind of touch and she feels comfortable touching herself in front of you. I think these are all wonderful, important things to consider. 100% that you are part of this experience and you are the main event. Many times I hear from my clients that they're asking me that, what if exactly the same question you mentioned, that what if she's touching her own clit? What if we're using the toy to helping my partner experiencing climax? And these are all wonderful tools and additions. And it's not doesn't mean that you are not central part of this experience. What it tells me that there is some sexual insecurities because what, what I hear underneath what you're asking is this uncertainty that there's a part of you that asks me that am I a good enough lover? And you have all the data that would tell you that your partner enjoys being with you. But it seems like that story is so strong. And it's important to acknowledge that from noticing that chatter that shows up for you and says you're not good enough, that maybe your partner is, you're not part of her pleasure, all of those negative stories that show up. This is what I want you to do. I want you to pause and identify those stories and write it down, write them down. Like what are some of the stories that show up for you during the sex? Some of the common one is that what if my partner, they don't find me desirable? What if I'm not big enough? What I'm not skilled enough? All of these things are really important to recognize and label those thoughts. Those thoughts are just thoughts the same way that if you were listening to the radio and all of the sudden here comes the music that you don't like, right? These, this is the same way. The thoughts are like the music in the radio. It's helpful to not get hooked on those. So I want you to get really good on labeling those thoughts. So when that part shows up, you're not getting preoccupied with them, with those thoughts. The other thing that I invite you to do is to connect with your own energy and do some grounding exercises before sex. Because some of us, we have this over anxious mind that gets really loud in these situations. And at times that can create performance issues because if our body is on the fight and flight mode, it will not be able to experience arousal and we will not be able to be connected with our partner. So I want you to focus on learning to connect to yourself. And that could be uh, practicing breathing exercises during the day. So in the moment when you're connecting with your lover, if you notice that you're engaging in the shallow breathing, switch your way of breathing and practice some deep breathing exercises so you can get from that fight and flight mode. 
The other great thing that you can do with your lover is to do some kind of a start with doing some kind of a, a kind of a sensual massages, touching exercises. That's non-genital. Some of the practices could be like tantric practices that involve some eye gazing and you are caressing your lover's face and different parts of the body as a way to focus on the sensation and temperature of their body. Because when we are anxious, we tend to get kind of focus on our thoughts and that can bring down the quality of sexual experiences. So this is my invitation for you. And also you mentioned that at times your partner, she's not super enthusiastic about starting sex, but when she is in the mood, she's all for it. She's she's willing to go with it and she's excited and she's experiencing orgasm and that's also completely normal for many many people some people have what's known as spontaneous desire meaning that we're sitting down and somehow we get turned on and then the desire shows up and then physiological arousal shows up and for many people in long-term relationships they experience what's known as responsive desire meaning that they don't feel the spark they don't feel the desire uh, when like they're sitting doing their life after they start engaging with some kind of foreplay with their partner, after kind of physiological arousal shows up, then they experience desire. It doesn't mean that they don't yearn their partner, they don't find their partner desirable. It's just a way of how their body and mind respond and there's nothing wrong with that. Many of my clients, they find that if they are carving out time, they're scheduling, connecting time with their lovers, that helps with initiating sex. So if you know that every Friday night is the time that you and her connect, that will help you to step in that space, being psychologically and physiologically more responsive and same for her. And that will promote the opportunity for you to take turn, perhaps initiating sex or perhaps creating an environment that's inviting enough so you both are experiencing pleasure. But I just want you to hear that like there's nothing wrong. It doesn't sound like there's anything wrong with what you're doing in the bed. It's more of the thoughts and stories that show up for you. And it's important to not not letting those thoughts to take charge during sex and steal the joy and pleasure from you and your partner. And there are tons of different ways that you can spark conversation, sexy conversation with your partner about sex during those scheduled date nights. There are tons of games that you can play. You can go through our list of more than 100 ways of being sexual. So you can talk about it with your partner. It's just a matter of prioritizing this time and also acknowledging that if this is something that you haven't done in your relationship in the past or any relationship, it's going to be uncomfortable. There are going to be some discomfort, but trust me, it will pay off because the more we're able to train ourselves to have effective conversation about sex and things that we want and desire, the better the quality of our sexual sexual experiences will be. Let us know how this unfolds and I hope you find these suggestions meaningful. So here's the second question. A listener sent us this question. What would you say about OnlyFans and marriage? My wife wants to start one and I'm not hip to the idea. She wouldn't do anything sexual but would share pics of her body. I know there is money to be made but as a husband, I don't want my wife to do this. Any advice? Well, my 
first advice and invitation for you is to talk to her about the motivation. So it seems like there is some motivation around financial benefit of it. For those of our listeners who are not familiar with OnlyFan, OnlyFan is a subscription-based platform that many creators produce content there. It's usually sexually charged content. It's based on subscription based in a way that you send some fun and you get some pay-per-view videos in a way. So there are different ways that people are doing it. And not every single person who is on the OnlyFans are sex workers. I have some colleagues that are sex therapists that they are on the app and there are different types of content production there. But there is a big portion of the content out there that's sexual content. So I want you to talk to her about it. If it's only about the money, then you can, you can throw troubleshoot, think about different ways that possibly she can earn the income if you are very uncomfortable about it. It just doesn't sound like that. Also, I'm curious, is there is part of it, it's about a desire to be seen, if that's her erotic template. I have few clients that they have account there, and it's not necessarily for them, it's about the money. It's the idea of being seen, it's the idea of being worshipped, and people pay to see you doing different, differently and, or, or sexually charged things. So if it's that about the main motivation for her, then you guys can talk about that. If there are other ways that you can incorporate that in your partner's sexual acts, that doesn't feel as uncomfortable for you. Is there a com- combination of exhibitionism that you guys can do as a couple? If there are some risk taking that you can, can do as a couple, so you, you're, the, you're still allowing her to have this experience or being part of this experience. I know allowing is not the best word, but it is still something that's part of the sexual encounters that you guys having and it's not feeling too vulnerable. Being said that, if you choose to follow this path, if you guys choose as a couple, you feel okay for her to have an OnlyFans account, my invitation for you is to start very, very slow as a couple. Perhaps she can experiment with posting some limited pictures and you guys can see how does that feel. Because sometimes people try to stuff their emotion and not show what feels uncomfortable to their partner because they don't want to appear weak or they don't want to get in the way of partner experiencing things that they want. But my invitation for you is as she's posting stuff to do a check-in with yourself and be honest and open about what shows up for you. Again, I, I hear a lot of people pretend to be carefree and stuff their emotions, uh, emotional needs down. And that creates resentment and frustration in long term. So if, if your partner is not willing to listen to you or uh, they continue to do things that makes you uncomfortable, that can be a data point about incompatibility at time in the relationship. And sometimes you might agree with doing the this only fan thing and you notice jealousy shows up like any other sexual behaviors. Sometimes if we're experiencing jealousy, it doesn't mean that we want to stop this. It gives us a data. There is something here that, that feels uncomfortable for me. Sometimes these jealousies can be rooted from our past. 
those feelings that comes from our childhood and it's interesting to kind of assess that where is this coming from is this an opportunity for me to do some self-exploration understand myself better or if it's it feels too much and it's something I need to talk to my partner about it and we need to address this. If you choose to do it, again, open communication is really, really important. Open and honesty. And I think it's a good idea to create a relationship agreement around that. That what are some of the things that might consider cheating as she explores this part of herself? And what are some of the things that feels comfortable and okay? I hope this is helpful for you. It's, but it's one of those situations that there is not uh, one size fits all. So I hope you got good information about what aspects of it that you can explore with your partner. The last question came from a 20-year-old guy. He mentioned, hello. this is their question. They said, hello, I'm a 20-year-old black male. And in the past, I've been ridiculed for my lack of sexual experience by men and women. In high school, when I did decide to have sex, I was further ridiculed by my lack of size. And I was compared to other black boys and spread like a wildfire, leading me to attempt suicide. And I was deeply depressed. Now I'm 20 years old and I feel overwhelmed by sadness and lack of sexual desire. How do I cope with this? Well, I'm sorry you went through this. What a horrible experience you had. Few things that I want you to keep in mind that there is this misinformation out there that when we have a, a sexual experience, especially for in cisgender heterosexual relationship for men, that their size is the most important part of the experience. I know I talked about it a lot here, but it's my experience as a psychologist, as a sex therapist, that I hear a lot from my clients that tell me that size does not matter at all for them. It's when, when you were thinking about being good in bed, it's more about your combination of sexual skills, the way you are able to connect with your partner, the way you're doing foreplay, the way that you use the tools that you have beside your penis. Those are very, very important. I'm sorry you ex had this experience, but it's, it's a misconception that many, many people have, especially when you're younger. My first invitation for you is to make sure you are getting support for depression. I'm sorry you had that attempt. And when we are depressed, we tend to question all aspects of ourselves. And that can impact to our desire. Many of my clients that they come to me, they tell me that they have low desire. But when we are going through their symptoms, we realize they just have depression. So addressing the depression is really, really important because that will help you to feel better about your sexuality and better overall. My next invitation for you is focus on building sexual confidence. One, one reason that many people lack sexual confidence is unfortunately we don't have access to accurate sex education. What we see in media, what we see in porn are these exaggerated body sizes and performances, which has nothing to do with what real sex looks like. So my invitation for you is to think about what are some of the places that you can get accurate sex education. There are a number of uh, sex education websites that my colleagues, sex other sex therapists, 
creating and they have awesome content that they give you all the information that you would need to learn about sex. If you're interested, you can direct message me and say what kind of skills you're, skill you're able, you would like to learn and I can direct you to the right website. Also, in this episode, as a side note, in the month of January, February, March, every single skill as a side note in this episode the month of january february and march every single week we had an expert we have an expert on the show that will teach us the details of different sexual skills which is very very exciting because as you know this podcast is free and this is your opportunity to learn or refresh your your skills on different aspects of your life. So even listening to the different podcasts can be a good strategy. Also, other thing that I wanted to highlight that I, I wonder if you're struggling with sexual shame. Again, it's horrible that you experienced that bullying at school and it seems like it made you hyper vigilant about your body and your penis size. But something I wanted to share with you that sex is vulnerable for almost everyone. Most of us want to feel good. I want to create a good impression with our lover when we are, it's whether it's our first time or it's our like 5,000 encounter with a lover. We want to, going back to what the first question was, that we want to make sure that we are feeling good about ourselves and we are pleasing our partner. So there is nothing wrong with that. But also, because sometimes for some of us, because of our upbringing, we, we are struggling with sexual shame. When we are undressing, when the clothes come off, our mind goes to the place of, am I attractive enough? Am I big enough? Can they tell that I'm nervous? Do they like the smell of my body for women? Do they? Does my lover love my touch? All of these things can feel very vulnerable. So, and sometimes that triggers the same of feeling of shame. Much of the shame we feel about our sexuality is toxic and it's important to work on to unlearn them. So understanding our where our personal sense of shame came from is really, really important. So I want you to take a moment and think about what messages did you hear about sex and the body growing up? What were some of the things that your peer were talking about in high school? What negative experiences did you have throughout your childhood and adolescence? Uh, what's your relationship with your body? Do you love your body when you explore your body? Do you uh, what shows up for you? I think these are very important information. So, to information to gather and unlearn if it's unhealthy, definitely work with a sex therapist. That can be very helpful to to unlearn some of these messages. And great sense of community can be very powerful. There are tons of good male groups that they can help you with giving you this mentorship of what real sex feels like. Because sometimes when men gather in social settings, they brag about things that are unrealistic. But if you have a group good community, they can give you an accurate information. 
information about what real sex feels like. Because I'm so sorry you had that experience, and I hope that you spend some time to give yourself the love and compassion you deserve. At the end, I wanted to thank all of you guys who who were part of this journey of creating this podcast in past five years. And as I mentioned, next several months, every single week, we're going to talk about different sexual skills. So if there is a sexual skill that you want us to make sure we're talking about it in next few months, please let us know. Also, do not forget to head over our Instagram account and follow us and enter for a giveaway because I got tons of great gifts and I want you to win. Again, I hope you guys have wonderful holidays, wonderful New Year's Eve and safe New Year's Eve and I'll see you guys next year. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexology.com sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.